Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osher wrap up their discussion on Article 25 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Whatever your vocation, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Welcome back, friends. Uh, we're in Romans 7 today, hanging out. One of the yeah. greatest chapters ever to explain the topic behind confession and absolution, right? It just, mm-hmm. it eliminates so many objections if you understand how Paul is talking and that he's talking about himself and not just a bad person. Yeah, like, or, or even well, pre-Paul before conversion. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that, that, th- that's the whole argument of, of those who would misunderstand Romans 9 through 11, right? Is yeah. that uh, it can't be talking about a certain kind of election because Paul can't be a sinner, and Paul, like, right in Romans 7, like, yeah, I struggle with this, guys. And so then you've got to invent entire context. Like, Paul has somehow and unnaturally, without telling us whatsoever, gone back to talking about his life before conversion. Because mm-hmm. you don't sin after baptism. What was that heresy? Who was that? Montanism. <laughs> yeah. Montanism. Yeah, Montanism, yeah. yep. The well, sin the Montanism. You know, uh, this, this passage causes problems for that, doesn't it? Yep. Brett? Yeah. All right. Let's read it. We're talking about confession here. Romans 7, uh, verse 14 through 8.1. I always wonder why 8.1 isn't included I, in uh, I chapter have called yeah. multiple times this the most unfortunate chapter break in all of scripture. Yeah. Yep. It, it really sets aside Romans 8.1 artificially from the previous content. And yep. I... I'm mad about it, and I can be mad about it because the chapter and verse divisions aren't inspired. Right. That's right. All right. I'll read it. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the word, amen. Inject that verse directly into my veins <laughs> over and over that. again. <laughs> yep. That's right. Well, yeah. we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? That the, injecting the things yeah, into injecting, our veins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I don't remember that discussion. Yes, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't address drug usage right, or even yeah. gospel drug usage <laughs> on our on our podcast. Well, no. I, I did I'm actually saying, one time compare being a fiend for the gospel. Like I said, I'm a gospel junkie, and yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. There is no condemnation, guys. That's the point. <laughs> right? What are you not Just seeing here? Just let the man talk. <laughs> <laughs> about, about the value of this and what this meant to, yeah. to me personally. Yeah. I, I love this this passage. And, and like you said, the argument sometimes is made. Paul uh, is talking about pre, pre-conversion Paul. You know, back when I was that horrible dude that, you know, killed Christians, persecuted them, held their you know, coats at these big stoning rallies, not stoner rallies, another drug reference you might be using over there, Brett. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it says, it starts out, he says in, in verse 14, for we know yeah. that the law is spiritual, but I am, yeah. not I was, hmm. I am of, of the, the flesh, flesh sold under sin. That that language there is very important and it's very intentional. It's very true to the Greek, actually, if you want to really get into that, you know, like if we want to sound smart, but it, it's it's that idea that, that there is this battle going on between the flesh and the the spirit. There's this battle going on between the old nature that, you know, has been crucified, right? But that flesh that still remains and the new nature, which is Christ. So all of these eyes, mm-hmm. this is what I do to my students. All of these eyes, uh, the, the pronoun, the, the first person pronoun I is used, I think, I can't remember, it's 19 times or 23 times or something like that in these, in these verses. And I make them identify which I is speaking because there's, a, there's an old nature I speaking and there's a new nature I that's speaking. And, and Paul's acknowledging the fact that he's completely saved. I you know, have this ability to know what is good and want to do it. And that is that is the 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 part of me that God has fully converted. There's no the, the, the old uh, the new nature does absolutely nothing that the old nature wants to do, but there's that old nature, and it's that battle going back and forth that there's this I that doesn't do good, <laughs> and, and there's this I that does, and it's because that I that doesn't do good exists that confession and absolution are 100 percent necessary. There are two wolves inside of you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Which, well, whichever one you feed, Jason, yeah, yes. no, no, because it's, it's yeah. your job, not Jesus's, to keep you on that rock. Since, right? since we're in the business of describing visual memes <laughs> on this podcast, the funniest one or, I or ever deep, saw with yeah, that yeah. is a picture of um, the Irish guy from Star Trek who ran the transporter. <laughs> and it said, there are two wolves inside of you. I'm sorry that the transporter malfunctioned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, but yeah, it's the, the identifying who is speaking and then identifying that that person is the same person. Yeah. Is it's Paul, you know, that's Christianity 101, what he's talking about. Schizophrenic. Not, you know, that's the thing though. It's not schizophrenic mm-hmm. because it's not one or the other. It's both. And that's that, yeah. that Latin phrase, simul justice et peccator. Yeah. Right. We are simultaneously in real time, sinful and justified. And, and the book of Concord quotes this, the Augsburg confession quotes this in like article four, it must be article four, because that's the article on justification or where Augustine says that we are justified, not so that our sins do not exist, but so that they are not counted against us. Yeah. And that's yeah. the reality that Paul writes mm-hmm. Romans seven in. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not that God has taken away our sin. It's that he's taken away the consequences of our sin and he's paid the punishment for our sin, which is why we still die, mm-hmm. right? But when we die, then we're ushered into eternity and the end of eternity, that's why you have that physical, tangible language of the resurrection that we get that perfectness back to our created form. Mm-hmm. 
And the, the whole nature of forgiveness is along that line too. It's it's a releasing of the debt. It isn't that it isn't that there wasn't a debt. It isn't that that debt didn't need to be paid. It's that that debt is you're released from it. The debt has been uh, taken away from your account. Um, but at the same time, so so I'm saying that with the idea of um, in these verses. Uh, where is it at here? For I know da 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 da. Basically, what you're saying, Jason. I'm, I'm just trying to reiterate. I can't Let's find the verse that. right now, so we're just going to skip yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just when I look no one over and can't for me for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Jason. Whatever you're you right. said. Yeah. You're right. Um, well, and, and this is why it's important. So uh, I think this would be a good time because we haven't touched on this really. The different types of confession. Yeah. You know, we confess our sins before God. We also confess our sins to one another. And, mm-hmm. and that's built in the concept of confession and absolution. Yep. We had talked about maybe using James chapter 5 yeah. to talk about oh, yeah. confess your right. sins to one another. And there's an absolution involved in that because of the application of the gospel to our lives. We are free yep. to forgive the sins of those who have offended us. There's a parable about that. The uh, the um, the servant who has forgiven much and then won't forgive little. Uh and that's built into the Lord's Prayer, right? We, mm-hmm. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. When we talk about, like you do, Adam, in the language of debt forgiveness, is why it's so important when we are confessing to one another or when one confesses to us, our response to that is, I forgive you and not it doesn't matter. Or, or it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have trained that in my kids and, and I sadly have to apologize to my kids more than I wish I did. But <laughs> yeah, parenting, I, man. I, I talk to my son and, you know, I say, I'm sorry. And, and his first reaction, it's okay. And I said, no, it's not. And that's exactly why I have to yep. have to say this. It's not okay, yep. but you can forgive me. And I would definitely appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and we have that conversation. Yeah. Well and he, he gets yep. that. And that's, that's why I'm trying to train it, my kids to, to realize that sin isn't okay. That's the whole point. But forgiveness is. And that is exactly what we're called to do. Well, and, and the gospel never does that. But way too often the gospel is preached along those lines as your sin doesn't matter or yeah. God's just yeah. ignoring mm-hmm. your sins. The moment the gospel turns into that, though, God is no longer just. And then the moment God is no longer just, God is no longer God. Hmm. And Romans 3 is where all that is fleshed out, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, that, well, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, yep. but are justified by his grace. Romans 3.26, that God justifies so that he can be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God forgives sins so that his justice is satisfied, so that he can still be just. And that's why this going on, it's Paul is acknowledging his sin. And at the end of his acknowledgement of his sin, verse 24, he's not like, and God's like, hey, man, we're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he says, wretched man that I yeah. am, who will deliver me from this body yeah. of death? Yeah. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hmm. Paul's response is, I do all of this sin. I can't even really control myself to the point. I don't even know what I'm doing. And the answer to my sin is Jesus Christ on the cross in my place. The outcome of that forgiveness then is Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. You can't say that if you pretend sin doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You have no right to preach that because the sin can always come back. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the whole problem in interpersonal relationships with grudge keeping or, or anything like that. Even if you think you're being forgiven and then the person you've forgiven comes back and, and does the same thing a little bit later, yeah. you're, the, the response is going to be, I knew you would do this. And you pull something back in from the past. Mm-hmm. God can't do that because he's already dealt with the sin. Yep. And, and he's sin, just. Yeah, yep. and he's just. The sin has been punished right. and the wrath has been satisfied. That's why forgiveness is so important. Yep. That's why the gospel is so good. And that's the whole source and foundation of confession and absolution. Yeah. Yep, that's good. And, you know, I think this might be a good time to talk about habitual sin or or sin oh, yeah. you know sin that you repeat you know mm-hmm. and that's that's maybe the the part about Romans 7 that people are like well I think this is Paul before he was really a believer you know that it, just the idea of doing sin over and over again yeah. uh, and I, I think I've I've ta- I don't know if Jason if we've talked uh, off air some other time I, I know we have or yeah. maybe even on air I don't know yeah, but, but uh, this I think this is a good opportunity to just to deal with that idea of repeat sinning, uh, the same exact sin or uh, or maybe a sin you're habitually struggling with. Habitual sin, addictive sin. Yeah, uh, yep. we, we, we mutually know a pastor who used to teach that if the addiction can't be broken, the sinner can't be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And that's entirely wrong. That's entirely false. There would be no hope for a certain class of individual if that was the case. Again, you go to, as far as Christians are concerned, and and Paul might have a little bit more of a sordid past than, say, Daniel did. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, he he says over and over again, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Okay. Now, part of... The problem people struggle with when it comes to habitual or addictive sin is that we fall into the trap. We've addressed this often on the podcast that what we do makes us righteous or unrighteous. In in condemning habitual sin, which theologically we condemn sin as evil, but mm-hmm. condemning it as unforgivable, what we do is we confess that we don't have a firm grasp on the depth of our sinfulness. Hmm. Because uh, if you have a habitual sin and you think that's bad, well, just look at the totality of your sin. That's way worse. We, we don't have a grasp, grasp on the depth of our sin. And habitual sin fits so perfectly into what Paul is confessing here. That comes up over and over and over again, right? The, the other thing we need to address is that there is a difference between forgiving someone who habitually sins against you sure. and yep. God forgiving sin. The response of the first, and there's always this objection when it comes to that. Oh, so you're saying then I just need to let them walk all over me, right? Yeah. You, you, and that's not what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to love our neighbor, And in loving the person who would abuse us in that way, the most loving thing to do is to hold them accountable for their sin. But when we're talking about sin on that vertical level, what Paul is describing is also talking about repentance. Now, addiction or habitual sin without repentance is entirely different than habitual sin and addiction with repentance. So is that kind of where you were going with that, Brett? 
Yeah, I definitely wanted to bring that into this conversation because uh, I, I think that there's kind of shades of that in this text of maybe there was something that even Paul himself was, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Yeah, uh, and people, yeah. people have tried to read that into the text. Sure. I think it's implicit in the text. I don't think it's explicit in the text. Yeah. Could it, is it entirely possible that Paul had a habitual sin? It's entirely possible because he was a sinner. It also works that Paul's talking about the total breadth of sin. Mm-hmm. And, and, the general thing you know, of yeah, sin. Right, yeah. right. And, I, and I think what we're doing when we think about forcing Paul to have an habitual sin is that we're reading modern purity culture into this. And by modern purity culture, I'm not just talking about pornography yeah, and, and yeah. sexual matters, but purity culture at the base of purity culture, the Joshua Harris, the Joshua, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the absence of sin is victory over sin. Yep. And Paul in this chapter obliterates that lie. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. absolutely blows it to pieces. Uh, sin in scripture is never talked about in those terms that the absence of sin is victory over sin. Yeah. Victory over well, sin is always the cross. I deal with that with, you know, couples yeah. all the time. And, yep. and couples, you know, you've had, mm-hmm. I think each of us as pastors have a time or, or two or maybe more had couples coming to us living together yeah. and, and living in sexual sin. And, you know, the idea is what I tell them is getting married doesn't forgive the sin. <laughs> Right, it, it's not over just because you you've stopped and now it's 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 okay now. It's it's not, and I I look at that and I think, you know, a lot of times we do that with other sins too. Is is if I stop, I'm good, you know. Now I'm good, and and we look at that as the absolution. And again, that's our performance doing something that Christ's work can only do. Yep. And and we, we we've got to avoid that at all costs. And our desire to stop sinning doesn't make the sin stop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. and, and that's yep. where people get crushed. And then Paul says, I want to stop sinning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I can't. Yeah. That, that brings yep. up a whole other aspect of confession to me. It, it, it's this idea that our culture doesn't talk about sin as sin. We don't, we don't call it sin anymore. We call it a mistake. Uh, the, the Scientologists call it engrams, those things that are in us that are, are you know. Uh, aren't, aren't engrams the, the shapes you used to put together to try to get the, oh, never mind. No, gram, uh, all I can think of is food, like That's dipping in milk, grams. you know, or, or, or s'mores. But no, the, the idea of all of these, we talk about mistakes or missteps yeah. or things that I don't like about myself as though there's something apart from me, right? That. That it's this part of me, whatever. No, no, this is something that I actually do. But not only that, it's a depth of something that is offending a holy God. We never get there. We never talk about that in in a way that we should. Even as Christians, we don't. You know, we talk about the grace of God, but we, but we don't understand or the beauty of the grace of God until we understand the depth and depravity of sin. It's, it's what we talked about last week with Daniel. You know, like just laying out there, I, I've sinned. We we stand in open shame. Paul, wretched man that I am. When do we start using that, that language? Oh, no, that's negative self-talk. You can't be using that. That's, that's you know, we, no. we like our moral therapeutic deism. We do not like... That's right. We, there you go. We do yeah. not like to, to call ourselves sinners. But the beauty of confession is that God wants to bring us there so that he can, he can magnify yeah. his love for us in Christ. You know what Joel Osteen calls sin? Because he won't ever say the word sin. Not God's best plan. 
<laughs> you think, Joel? Well, but so yeah. what's interesting about it's this? God's plan B then? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about what you're saying, if you actually take the word pictures that the Greek terms are derived from, and I think this applies to the Hebrew. I'm, I'm not a Hebrew expert. I know this in Greek. It, it's way more drastic than we treat it. And we never put these two together. So sin, the term sin is actually comes from the world of archery. And it to means to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. It's yep. literally what sin means, okay? So that's where it can really easily devolve into, oh, just a mistake, mm-hmm. you know? But then you have to always put sin in context of repentance, of that metanoia, right? And, and the idea of repentance in scripture is that you're walking in run direction and you turn around and you head the other direction, And you put those two word pictures together and you come up with a much more drastic concept than the way we preach. Because to say I missed the mark to the point that I was heading in the wrong direction and I turned and I went the opposite way. You didn't miss the mark is you were firing your arrow into the crowd. Okay. (laughs) That's the point. You know, it's, it's not like, oh man, I hit the blue circle instead of the red circle. Yeah. You know, in archery. That it's like I was at archery and I turned around and I just fired the arrow. At grandma. At grandma, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> she'd come to your sporting events. And and, and, and and this isn't in the literal sense, but when you put those two word pictures together, that's the image it creates in our brains. Yeah. And that's why sin is so offensive. It's like, okay, what is my sin? Your sin is so bad. That I mean, you weren't even aiming in the right direction, and you had to turn around and do the opposite thing, right? That's repentance. Hmm. Yeah, and 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 then you get into building all the other names for sin. It's a legal term. It's breaking the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you sin, then you are literally committing a crime against God. Yeah, and 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 this just starts to pile on itself. Well, and then the idea of repentance as well. Yeah, I mean the word repentance in Greek is metanoia, right? To have the same mind after is kind of a loose English translation of that. So to have the same mind or same thoughts after something or someone else, well, it's, it's to have the same thoughts as God. Yeah. So how does God think about sin? Like, really it. <laughs> put put it in, in that perspective. If if sin meant that his son had to die on a cross, it's a big deal. And it's something that we need to, to recognize. I think we need to cultivate that. We do so in our preaching. You know, the, the, the gospel needs to be proclaimed, but the gospel without the law having done its work, if the mouth hasn't, sh- hasn't shut up yet, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, kind of a, oh, uh, it's the idea of saying to somebody, I heard somebody said this to a, to a believer on the, uh, or somebody, a believer said this to somebody on the plane, you know, Oh, Jesus died for your sin. The guy said, boy, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor Jesus. Yeah, poor Jesus. <laughs> I, yeah. If he would have just known how good I was, oh, yeah. hey, Ben, yeah. he would have been happy to have me on his team. Right. Huh. It's and, and go back to that. Con- this is a good place to wrap up the whole article, getting yeah. back to confession and absolution. Yeah. Right. Confession is agreeing with God about our sin. Absolution yep. is agreeing with God about our Savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and well that's, how it, that's why we do confession and absolution. We have to be on the same level as God when it comes to assessing our sin and our sinfulness. It's awful. The wrath of God mm-hmm. is revealed against all ungodliness of men, period, full stop. Okay? But the whole point of absolution is that God wants us on board with what he's done about our sin. 
He wants to tell us about it. He wants to give us that gift. And the faith that he gives us is what says, all right, God did this for me. I believe it. I receive it. That's what I'm going to cling to. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, maybe maybe we should end at that point. Yep. Praise the Lord for his amazing grace to us. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Listeners are invited to the Fall Spotlight Conference at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota on October 9th and 10th. Guests will learn from Megan Ullman of Life Training Institute how to defend a pro-life view persuasively and graciously as we navigate a post-Roe world. Registration and live stream information are available at flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.